0: I don't know about Owen Cohen, but Evan Cohen, Michelle Smallman, and Chris Canty will be back on in Sportsmanlike tomorrow. But for the meantime, you've got Courtney Cronin and Matt Jones here with you on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app on Sportsmanlike. As always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Happy New Year. We're getting you ready for an awesome slate. Of college football games coming your way today, we've got the Verbo Fiesta Bowl, we've got the Cheese at Citrus Bowl, and then, of course, the CFP semifinal games, starting out with the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential, and then the All-State Sugar Bowl in the evening. What are you looking for in these games, storylines, things to follow? We want to hear from you on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Plenty to get into there, plenty... To still get into, a lot of meat left on the bone from the conversation we've been having all morning, which is about the officiating blunder that happened in the Detroit and Dallas game on Saturday evening. We know that Brad Allen and his crew are under a lot of scrutiny right now, Matt, and for good reason, considering the he said, he said game of was he ineligible, did the right alignment report is eligible. And One thing I wanted to bring up, because I've seen it on my Twitter feed quite a bit, of the And we just had a caller call in about, well, don't the officials announce that, like, who the like, lineman is that's eligible to report, don't they announce that in the stadium? Yes, they do. And over the PA system in Dallas, they reported number 70, who's Dan Skipper, not Taylor Decker, who's kind of at the center of all of this, that number 70 had reported as eligible. And I've had people ask, well, why didn't Detroit do something about this? Why didn't they try to, like, let the officials know, hey, that's not the right guy? Well... Unfortunately, they were out of timeouts in that moment. i don't know what more they could have done uh you'd have to run the play regardless. but in that moment, because of their timeout usage, like literally they had just used their third timeout, i think about two or three plays before that two point conversion because they you know they obviously had to because they were trying to move down the field and get in range to, to you know to score just kind of an unfortunate way that this thing played out. They literally didn't have anything they could do in that moment to rectify it.
3: Well, they also probably didn't uh, you know, didn't pay attention. I mean, let's be mm-hmm. real. They're trying to run their play. They're not worried about what the announcements are. And you can't uh, over, necessarily
0: over, hear over, from that part of yeah, like, I mean, They've they, got they, their they, headsets on. I, everybody tries to make
3: excuses for the mistake. The mistake's the official's part. Now, the pro, I actually give Dan Campbell a lot of credit that he wasn't more upset than he was about it. If it were me – I would have been livid because it was a great play. They did everything right. It's just the official didn't understand it. It is what it is. But I do think what's interesting is going forward, what it means. Dallas and Detroit are playing each other in round two, absent something crazy happening. And that game is now going to be in Dallas instead of Detroit. Would have been in Detroit. Now it'll be in Dallas. That's a huge thing. And it'll be interesting to see in the lead up to that game to what extent that call makes a difference in preparation, in terms of motivation. it It is very rare that you get re- – referees and officials make mistakes. I mm-hmm. get it. They're human beings. But it is very rare you get a mistake that is so consequential outside of a major playoff game. Not only did it cost them the game, it's going to cost them where they have to play in the playoffs, and they're going to have to play this exact same team. Literally the exact same team. That almost never – Ever happens and I think it makes it to where it's much more important than your average in-game mistake.
0: So the way that things are set up right now in the NFC playoff picture San Francisco clinched home field advantage yesterday and that was left open by the Detroit loss that they suffered on Saturday night going into Saturday number one seed was still in play here now obviously you know that would have required San Francisco losing they had their get right game they had no issues with Washington on the road but Dallas currently the two seed. NFCE still in line for them to lock up, you know, for their own, uh, for all intents and purposes. That was left open by the Philadelphia Eagles. Detroit will finish no worse than three. So they will have a home playoff game, but their path to getting, you know, more wins in the postseason becomes infinitely harder when you have to go on the road. So, yeah, the, in, the consequential nature of that call and what it did for a game that had a lot of playoff implications on the line were pretty significant the the fallout of all of this you know you can talk about this till you're blue in the face what are you going to do about it how are you going to fix it that's what we're trying to figure out here we are a solutions oriented program on espn radio and we need your help on it because matt matt and i have thrown out some ideas matt your idea to suspend the official seems like a no-brainer it seems like something that if you have a there's a there's always consequences good or bad for people's actions. And if you're going to let these officials get off scot-free, then why even have officials in the first place if, they, if that's where we're going to take it? And then, of course, we've had callers call in about fines, of maybe even putting it back on the players to have to go up to these officials and look them directly in the face. Herm Edwards said this, that that's what he would tell his players. Make sure they know without a shadow of a doubt that you are eligible. All of those things uh, are in play here, and we're asking you on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, eight 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 seven two nine. Three seven seven six. Help us come up with a solution here for the officiating blunders. Let's let's go to Detroit, to uh, to a fan, part of the country that is hurting right now, coming out of this loss. Jim, you're on ESPN Radio. What's your solution for what we saw happen and transpire in Dallas on Saturday night?
4: Yeah, well, I do believe there's so many cameras that that's obviously an option. And you, so smart, mentioned Mike that ref. And then Julia says that only one reports. Well, then I say that the quarterback has to report if he's going to run because you're going to put a man on him. So anyways, Detroit restaurants lost big because everybody's so pissed that they left and didn't eat and drink more and celebrate So. What's well, that's really what
3: matters, Jim. I would like for you to find the people that lost money based on restaurant sales, and that ultimately is how we need to make all NFL decisions, Jim, is based <laughs> on the profit margin of restaurants in the town that lost.
2: Thanks for uh, ha- having a good show, man.
3: Okay. I
0: appreciate it, Jim. Um, the the Well, he did say extra camera angles. I mean, wouldn't – How many more camera angles could you have?
3: We saw everything we We, needed to see.
0: And we we still saw that he was looking in one direction and not the other direction. We don't
3: need more camera angles. We don't need more microphones. We know exactly what happened. It just determines that we're not going to do anything about it. I will say this, though, to be fair to Jim. He is exactly right, Courtney. Fans are so weird after games. When you own a restaurant in a city, and and people who do can tell you this, when a team loses – It has a massive effect on the restaurant the next day. It does. And so in Detroit – People who own restaurants or sports bars, it crushes them. So I hadn't thought about that, Jim. I do think they ought to sue the NFL for damages (laughs) based on their restaurant profit margins.
0: Well, I mean, this is is right in your wheelhouse. I mean, you are in that world. Is that the same? Do you notice that after Kentucky
3: loses? When Kentucky loses. So if Kentucky plays a football or basketball game on Saturday, this is the truth. I can show you the patterns. When they lose on Saturday, we get crushed on Sunday. If they win... People come on Sunday, if they lose, they don't. And you can see it game after game after game. The, the People's behavior, especially in towns where they really care about a team, is totally dictated by wins or losses. Mm-hmm. I literally will factor in, when we're factoring in our sports bars budget for the year, what I think the team's record will be because it will have that much of a financial impact.
0: And you have – remind me here. We were talking about this pre-show. Like, you have an interesting – incentive for for fans to come and watch is it the playoff is it playoff games or is it the Super Bowl because like our caller in Detroit was talking about there has to be that incentive so like in in Kentucky the
3: NFL we were talking about this during the break about how in a lot of the country the NFL is everything in Kentucky college sports are bigger so we try to figure out all right what are we going to do to get people to come into our sports bar for the NFL so we've created we went and got an old high school Courtney a set of goal posts all right so like we're going to set up these goal posts during the nfl games and if you're watching an nfl playoff game we'll draw a name out of a hat whoever gets it goes outside and tries to kick a 30 yard field goal over a real set of goal posts now we had to figure out where are we going to put the goal post because if you put them one way you'll kick the ball into the sonic if you put them the other way you'll kick the ball into the dairy queen courtney you cannot kick the ball on the Dairy Queen. The woman that owns that Dairy Queen is very angry. She will get upset. So we're kicking it towards the Sonic, 30-yard field goal. You win $1,000 uh, at KS Bar. Do you think you could kick it for $1,000 into the Sonic and get your money?
0: I've thought about this. So I was a junior varsity goalkeeper. Soccer, okay. So I would punt the ball. So you ball. got a strong
3: leg, yeah. So,
0: But I don't know if I could kick it off a tee on the ground and no have
3: the no Some, T. Somebody has to hold it for you. Someone has to hold and, it? I, I'm not yes. convinced
0: that I wouldn't like fracture their finger from accidentally kicking it. And well, then, of course, of I'd be equation. out more than $1,000 uh, in the hospital bill. That's
3: part of the equation. Could you Is kick it? You Have you, ki- you done
0: this before?
3: No, I don't. I mean, like, I'd like to say I could, but the ch- I, I could kick it 30 yards. I don't know if I could kick it straight. I probably yeah. couldn't. But, I think uh, but, I'm directionally
0: challenged, so I don't
3: know yeah. if mine would go So we put So we'll upright. put this piece of turf. All right, we'll put this piece of turf down because you're on concrete, right? And so you'll kick it off of the turf, and then you go to the Sonic. Now, there'll be cars parked there. We're going to have to tell the cars to watch out for the football, but we'll see how many people – let's take a guess. There'll be, what, 14 teams, 13 playoff games – how many of the 13 people, Courtney, do you think will be able to kick a 30-yard field goal?
0: I don't think many. I mean, I've watched College Game Day every week and watching Pat McAfee try to get these people. Aren't yes. they kicking a 30-yard field goal? Even I think like it's a, like 33 it, for they're them. Kicking a yeah. PA, well, I think they were kicking at some points a PAT, which is not even that far. Um, And it looks – it's infinitely harder than it looks. And some of these people are, you know, clearly a little lubed up and might not be in the best shape to be kicking a a field goal or a PAT. Some going barefoot. I remember during the SEC championship, this guy from Georgia, I want to say, did not have shoes on. I don't know if he regrets that idea and missing out on the money (laughs) um,
3: (laughs) that he wanted
0: to get. But, like, I – I don't. I don't have any faith in my athletic abilities to do that. So I think the average person coming to your bar would probably think that they're maybe a little bit more athletically uh, talented and gifted than they actually are. And I don't know. I just. I don't. I don't think that many people well, are going to actually updated. make this. Yes,
3: please. I'll do. keep you updated on the results. Just know though. We're kicking towards the Sonic, not the Dairy Queen, because I'm not getting yelled at this year like I did before. So, is, does he, the Sonic
0: know that this is going on? If you clear the this Sonic with them? will get
3: over it. The Sonic gets our spill over all the time. Listen, they're okay. It's the Dairy Queen that complains. And by the way, finding a set of goalposts, real goalposts, was not the easiest thing in the world. But there's a high school that's shutting down. They didn't need their post anymore, and now we're gonna have them for the playoffs.
5: How
0: much were these goalposts?
3: They gave them to us because they're they didn't free. need them. We just had to go. We just have to go and get them, which we're doing this week, and that ain't an easy thing to try to figure out how to transport a goalpost from (laughs) Indiana to Kentucky. Uh, We're working on that right now.
0: Well, when you're done with them, you can be like every SEC fan base or every fan base in college football and go throw them in a body of water in celebration. I know that they do that uh, throughout college football. Maybe they'll be.
3: Yeah, there's still a pair in the water next to Neyland Stadium in Knoxville right now. When you go to a game, you can see it.
0: I was about to say those uh, we remember the Tennessee Alabama game when they carried those yep. out of the stadium in 2022. Uh $150,000 fine for that. I don't know, can you get fined for carrying those out of the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl? I mean, I can imagine. I'd like to see them
3: try. That'd I want to awesome. see them
0: do that coming out of the uh, not giving people any ideas here Some legally protected, but I'd love to see that happen out of the Caesar Sports Superdome tonight during the All-State Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington. We're going to get you ready for that matchup, get you ready for Alabama and Michigan. Heather Dinich joining the show. Coming up next, we'll see if she's able to uh, kick a 30-yard vehicle. That's next on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel unsportsmanlike. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. This
2: is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: It occurred to me when I was doing a read earlier to promote all of our college football games that we have on our airwaves throughout the next couple of hours, which begins 1230 p.m. Eastern time, that the Citrus Bowl between Iowa and Tennessee is presented by Cheez-Its. I don't know. Orange things, yes, but Cheez-Its and citrus, I don't know, they don't go together. Maybe I'm the only one who gets like weirded out by yeah, that. That is weird. I, I didn't get it. Oh, yeah. I'm glad Matt Jones agrees with me. Courtney Cronin and Matt Jones here on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We'll see if Heather Dinich, College Football Insider for ESPN.com agrees. Like I, I just I can't have those things in the same sentence. I I know why they are. Obviously, Cheez-Its is paying a ton of money for this game, but Tell me, I'm not wrong about that, Heather. You're not wrong because you're never wrong. Um, but I will say that if
6: you have cheeses and you wash them down with a citrus flavored Lacroix, you like can't that. go wrong.
0: Okay, all right, the game changer. I, I'm I'm completely in on this. I, I reverse all of my discourse on the cheese and citrus <laughs> bowl, um, and I will be doing that this afternoon when I get a chance to watch that. So. We know that the CFP semifinals are present us with a great set of matchups. We'll get into that in a minute. I did want to talk about the other New Year's Six bowl games and start with that Liberty-Oregon matchup. So we know that Bonix decided that he was going to play is going to play in this game. And you and I have talked about Liberty and like what they did versus what Florida State did and how they ended up getting into the New Year's Six game. Do you anticipate this being close, though? Because we know in terms of strength of schedule, strength of opponent, it does feel like that David versus Goliath matchup. How do you see this shaking out for Oregon in Liberty?
6: So you know how the Georgia-Florida State game played out? <laughs> yes. and, uh Do you see the Ravens score? And uh, <laughs> the list, list kind of goes on. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, ri- it's ridiculous because – of all the things that people had angst about when the college football playoff selection committee announced the final ranking number two on the totem pole in terms of the anger index was Liberty going to this bowl game. And that was the thing that surprised me out of all of it because they didn't even play a power five opponent. And so I think that this is going to be, I think, I think, I think we all know how this is going to play out. I don't see some sort of, NCAA basketball tournament upset kind of thing happening. They're going
3: to get destroyed. It's going to be. I mean, it, <laughs> I no offense, but they are going to get destroyed. Heather, you're exactly right. Uh, yeah. let, let, all right, so Heather, you follow this so intently, and I want to. I made the case earlier that Alabama, Michigan, in some ways, is bigger than Alabama, Michigan. It's a broader SEC versus the world kind of game where. Michigan is sort of trying to play for this Big Ten who wants to be on equal grounds with the SEC, maybe the best Michigan team in 20 years, an Alabama team that's not one of the best Alabama teams. It feels like in SEC world, the whole SEC is rooting for Alabama, and it feels like in Big Ten world, the whole Big Ten is rooting for Michigan. Do you see it as having those kind of monumental stakes, or am I too engulfed in it?
6: No, and I I think you could even pile on to that, quite honestly, because Michigan has something to prove here because they haven't won one of these yet. And so they've gotten to this. Can they cap it off with the ultimate goal of getting that national title under Harbaugh? And to your point with Alabama, this wasn't their best team. I would say this might be Nick Saban's best coaching job, though, because from the moment he benched Milrow to where they are now, is a completely different team, which is one of the reasons they're in the college football playoff. But I was in Nick Saban's office this spring, and he told me they were going full metal jacket in terms of getting back to where they are right now tonight. And they did that, and it was a lot of work. But this, this is step two. The first question was, could they reassert themselves not only at the top of the division in the SEC, but beat Georgia, win the league, and then get back to the playoffs and win a national title. So for both of these teams, that last piece of the puzzle is still hanging out there, and it's important for both of them for all of those reasons. But, yes, conference-wide as well.
0: We're talking with Heather Dennett. She covers all things college football for ESPN and ESPN.com there's been some time off. It's roughly three and a half weeks since all of these teams that are playing in the CFP semifinal games played in their conference championship games. And I wonder, injury situation-wise, but also maybe the layoff-wise, who does that help the most and who might it hurt? And the reason I ask like, the hurt part is thinking – Jalen Milrow was playing. He was on a heater as of late. That last month of the season was completely different from him in the early part of the season, even to the point where he got benched for that South Florida game. Could the layoff actually be to his detriment, considering it felt like he was in a rhythm taking him out of that? Could that hurt Alabama's offense?
6: Well, I I understand what you're saying, but I also feel like if anyone is going to have this team prepared even with the layoff, it's going to be Nick Saban. And in terms of the other game, too, this might be the healthiest Washington has been all season. So the break could help them as well. But injury-wise, Michigan might see the biggest impact because without right guard Zach Zinter, I wonder if they're going to be able to match up on the ground because Blake Corum is really good, but they just miss a beat Without Zinter in there blocking for them because he he's just so outstanding. So I think if you had to focus in on an injury that could impact this game, that would be it. He had he had a leg injury against Ohio State.
3: Heather, I'm gonna we'll get you out with this. Let's assume I want I made a statement earlier and I want your take on it. I think there's a decent chance that when the Rose Bowl starts. At the end of it and the national championship game, the two coaches coaching in the Rose Bowl, it might be the last time we see either one of them on a college football sideline. Am I crazy? Either one of them? Either one of them. I think think if Saban wins the title, it might be it.
6: You know – I've thought about this, and I saw the comments that Kevin Steele, his defensive coordinator, made about no signs of of Saban retiring after this. And the reason I don't think he will is because I have covered Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, Bob Knight, and I have seen how hard it is for the greatest of greats to say I'm done. Mm -hmm. Even when the opportunity – is right there, and you can go out on top. It's so hard, and I've just, I've seen it, and so I would be surprised. Um, I I would be surprised, because I just think he's got that fire. Now, Harbaugh, you're talking about the NFL, I assume? Yes. Yep, so I'm watching his brother. I'm watching his brother in highlights in the locker room and dancing and celebrating, and his mom of boys. You know what I'm thinking as I'm watching that? I'm like, how could Jim Harbaugh not be envious of that, right? Because he always wants to win a Super Bowl. So, like, that that's his that's his brother doing that. And, like, I just – that was the one thing I was thinking when I was watching those highlights is, man, Jim, Jim Harbaugh is going to get there because if, if winning a Super Bowl isn't enough motivation, watching his brother – enjoys
0: what he's doing right there. I mean, I feel like that's got to be some motivation as well, just as Cer- brother. Certainly feels like that is where things are headed. He just hired Don Yee, the longtime agent of Tom Brady, and Sean Payton to represent him. I don't know if he'd be doing that if he was just solely planning to look at Michigan as his option for his future going forward. But we'll see, and we'll see when Jim Harbaugh may make that decision. The All-State Sugar Bowl before that, the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential, where you will see number one-seeded Michigan against the four-seed Crimson Tide of Alabama. Certainly not a normal four-seed. Heather, we appreciate the time, as always. We will be locked in on your coverage on ESPN.com, getting us ready for the national championship.
6: Thanks so much. Enjoy the games, guys.
0: And after Thanks, the game to, games tonight, after the whole day of college football, you can get the first look at the national championship from Heather on ESPN.com. Heather Dinich brought to you by Traeger. Traeger's awesome. Let me tell you why. This Saturday, enjoy a one-of-a-kind wood-fired flavor from Traeger Ironwood XL From the Home Depot. So much to get into on these games. Kickoff is in a matter of hours. New Year's Six Bowl games coming your way on ESPN. And you can hear them right here on ESPN Radio at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Matt and I get you ready for the Allstate Sugar Bowl. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
4: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive
2: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: Think about everything that's at stake in the college football playoffs. Like, you've got Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh. They could easily move on after the semifinal round, after the national championship. You've got Steve Sarkeesian having turned around this Texas team to the point where it's now contending potentially for a national championship, and Washington won just about every single award there is to win, from Coach of the Year and Kalen DeBoer to the Joe Moore Offensive Line Award. They've got Roma Dunze, who's one of the best wide receivers in college football, and oh by the way, Michael Penix Jr., who was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. No shortage of juicy storylines to get into here and on sportsmen like ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones, sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle, and. I wanted to turn our attention to that all state sugar bowl because the one versus four matchup, which you'll see earlier today, Alabama and Michigan in the Rose bowl presented by Prudential 5 PM Eastern time. Um, we know what's at stake there. We know the history of these programs. We know that Alabama has been a behemoth and this may not even be a top team, top 10 Nick Saban coach team, but still as a team that is in this position, the less, like I guess on the other side of that, a Washington team that's never been in this position before it wins the Pac-12 this year. It's won so many. It's been able to grind out so many wins in in clutch moments, winning a bunch of games by ten points or less. And then a Texas team, which I'm looking at like their roster, I'm looking at everything that I've read. Like I can't find a weakness on this group. Maybe you would look in the secondary, but. This matchup that's going to determine the other side of the college football national championship one week from today, Matt, is very intriguing in, in two teams that will not be in their current conferences one calendar year from now.
3: First of all, can I ask you a question? Because I, I'm impressed. We've been doing this now for three and a half hours. You are the only person I've ever seen that actually includes the sponsor in the bowl games. I was like told you I had it to. The, minute, I, mean, I was told that I had to. You called it the All-State Sugar Bowl and yes. the Rose Bowl presented, presented by Prudential. By Prudential. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to tell you, I have never heard a person in my life say <laughs> the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential except
0: you. I'm a company I am, I, woman. I want to get like, us paid. Did, I want to get us paid. Are, are we getting I'm paying paid? paying off. The, that, th- those company? are the sponsors for those games, and I was told that we take those things very okay. seriously. Well, I, I check my the, email at ESPN.com, and I make sure that I'm Bowl. paying off all of the things that we're supposed to.
3: <laughs> the Rose Bowl presented by Dairy Queen and the <laughs> Sonic uh, Sugar Bowl tonight should both be <laughs> great Those might be actually be better. <laughs> the <Those> Washington-Texas <laughs> Washington, game... It's interesting to me. I think it's it's odd. It's the because the Rose Bowl has to be played at 5:30 because of those people uh in their sort of They want their sunset. Ways. Yeah, so we have to wait for and it's odd because I actually think that's the opening act. No offense mm-hmm. to Washington or Texas, but that's not as good a game. It's not as important a game, but I do think it'll be a great game. I think those two teams are very evenly matched. Washington as you said, could have lost five games this year, but they won them all. They've won close games. But let me say, same is true of Texas. I mean, Texas has had a ton of close games that they found a way to win. They're two very different teams. I actually like Washington in this game because I think Michael Penix has been absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. When it gets close, the way he is able to make plays, he's one of those guys that – I know he's probably not going to go in the first round of the draft, but I would take him at some point as a quarterback to develop because I just love his explosiveness. On the other side, Texas is about to become a power. When they get in the SEC, they're going to be able to recruit at a level that is amongst Alabama and Georgia as the best. They are on their way to being a power. They're probably a year early, Courtney, and so if they can find a way to get to the championship game or even win it, then I think you got to watch out because we've made jokes about, well, Texas is back, Texas is back. Mm -hmm. They're about to be back. The talent they have – And the fact they're moving to the SEC, this is the first of, I think, many times in the next decade where Texas is going to be playing huge games.
0: And they moved to the SEC in 2024. So this is setting the table for what's about to come for them, for Oklahoma in the offseason. But they're represented here at a chance where they can get that rematch that they probably want to see with Alabama, a team that they ended up beating in week two. You mentioned just the, the, the firepower that they have on offense, kind of the whole body of work from Quinn Ewers this year, two of his biggest games came in, in the highest-stakes situations this year. Of course, there was the Oklahoma State game in the Big 12 championship, 452 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, that game was out of hand by the end of the first quarter. And then there was the Alabama game, week two of the season, 349 yards, three touchdowns, a game that, that Texas' is back- soundbite that we have played all over ESPN radio. That's where that came from this year. And I know that there's a little tongue in cheek nature of it. We will wait to say Texas is back officially to see until we see if they can actually win a national championship and get back to that level that they were at in, in the mid two thousands. But, The way that Quinn Ewers has positioned this team coming off of everything that went wrong for him injury-wise and other last season is nothing shy of remarkable. And it's nothing shy of remarkable that Steve Sarkeesian has them in this spot. And I say that with a lot of respect and credit due to him to take this program from where it was in the Tom Harriman era, in transitioning it now into being a real threat for a national championship, that's the byproduct of recruiting, that's the byproduct of, of taking advantage of the window that they had within their conference currently. Obviously, that'll get harder when they move to the SEC. But coming into next year, if I'm in one of the SEC teams that's going to be lined up with them with the way my schedule allows for in 2024, I'm thinking that I'm getting the best opponent in, In my division, playing me this year, and that happens to be a Texas team that's, you know, got new footing in a new conference, but is coming in, riding a hot streak, getting there.
3: Well, Texas is perfectly situated for the new world of college football. Two things are going to matter in the new world of college football. A, recruiting, and B, NIL. That's all that Mm -hmm. matters because you're going to be – the portal will be able to supplement that. And Texas is perfectly situated. No state produces more players than Texas, and there's no athletic department that has access to resources like Texas will. So they're going to be able to absolutely crush recruiting. The only thing that was holding them back was not playing in the SEC. Guys Mm -hmm. were like, I don't really want to play against Kansas and Iowa State. Well, now they don't have to worry about that. Now they're going to be playing against all the top teams – Texas is about to become a juggernaut, and that's not just me saying hyperbole. I actually believe it. So, tonight in the Dave and Buster's Sugar Bowl presented by Target, I think it is going to be an absolutely fun game, but it's also going to be an announcement to the world. Mm -hmm. that this You've been talking about Georgia. You've been talking about Alabama. You've been talking about Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson. Throw Texas in that mix because they're going to be there the next five years.
0: High-scoring affair? It feels like we're having I think so, that. yeah.
3: I mean, Washington can't stop anybody, and I think Texas will be able to put points up on them. And no one can stop Washington. Like, no one's going to keep true. Washington out of the end zone. So I think it is a high-scoring affair. I
0: mean, I just go back to the Oregon games, both of them, That the one in the Pac-12 championship, the one that they played earlier in the year um, that went to overtime, and thinking – about how back and forth those games were and what that could mean tonight when Texas has been on the other side of a lot of lopsided matchups. Like Some of those games that they've played during their Big 12 schedule weren't in question. Obviously, the one against Oklahoma was, and of course, with Alabama earlier in the year, that was a dogfight for them on the road that they ended up coming out victorious in. But the stat that I keep going back to is the nine consecutive games that Washington won by 10 points or less. No one else in the country in college football in, in in the FBS can 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 claim that stake that Washington has been able to to hang its hat on this year. It's the reason that Kalen DeBoer in terms of, you know, he, you know, that best head coach in college football is voted on uh to win the AP Coach of the Year award. That's why he won that and that streak of consecutive wins puts them in the argument as one of the most clutch teams, maybe the most clutch team in this CFP field. But there's there's a lot to get to in the other sides of these matchups, but who do you have? Go- like, give me who you have and who you want. Sometimes, for me, it doesn't line up. Who do you have? Or let's start here. Who do you want coming out of these two games, going to the national championship?
3: Well, I want the most exciting matchup, which is probably Alabama-Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I actually think Washington pulls the upset tonight, so I'm going to say Alabama-Washington. But I, Alabama's winning. Um, they're going to be, they're better. I I think anytime, anytime the sec plays the big 10 in a game where both teams care about, I'm taking the sec because of speed and athletes. It's that simple. They just have a different level of athlete and a different level of speed. And it always plays out like that. On the other side, I just like Michael Penix. It's a belief in him. Texas is better. Texas is better on the lines. Mm -hmm. Texas has more weapons. But I just believe in Michael Penix. There are certain guys that are just special, and the reason they have that win streak in games of 10 or less are of him. You know, they've played poorly against some bad teams, but he finds a way to win. I think he does it tonight, too.
0: What I want to happen would be Michigan and Washington. The Mm. reason is – I know, I know. It sounds awful on the table. Don't worry. I don't (laughs) think it's going to happen. I would like to see Michigan get over that hump that they couldn't get over in the Orange Bowl in 2021 and then against TCU in the semifinal last year. I'd like to see Jim Harbaugh in what we all think is his last season at Michigan get this team to the national championship. You like Jim Harbaugh? I want to see it happen because I just don't – it has nothing to do with if I like him or not. I just want to see this happen because I don't believe it's going to if it doesn't happen this year. And I still feel like Alabama is a four-seed – is a bigger threat to Michigan than anybody else that they would face in this field. If we don't see that happen now, the whole SEC Big Ten argument becomes concrete to what you've been saying throughout the show, that the SEC supremacy and people like you beating your chest about it uh, all day long, you end up being right on not that. not beating your chest. It's just a it fact. It is, though. It, it may be a fact, but it's still to the rest of the country that doesn't have that vested interest. And I lived in SEC country. I covered these teams. I've covered Alabama. I've covered Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You, what you said, you're right. They're seventh best team. Like, look at Missouri and Ohio State the other day. And, yes, I know the whole thing with Ohio well, State right. not you're having a right. quarter. Like, I'd love to see that trend turn, if look I at could the recruiting in the national rankings, championship.
3: Courtney, this year's recruiting ranking. Of the top 25 national recruiting rankings, 13 of the 25 were SEC teams. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a fact. I mean, You're not I, telling me
0: anything I don't know, yeah. having been down there covering it. I just am saying if I could choose the matchup that I would want, that would give us something different than what you'd expect, because I don't think many people would pick that as their national championship. I would go Michigan and Washington. I think it will be... Alabama and Texas, and we do get that rematch. Did you give me yours for what it's yeah, going think to be? it'll be?
3: Yeah, I think it'll be Alab- – I'm going to say Alabama and Washington. Okay. But Alabama and Texas would be a better game.
0: It would be awesome, and I'd love to see that for Nick Saban, Steve Sarkeesian going head-to-head for a second straight time. So we've got you covered for all of those bowl games. I'm going to actually read the correct sponsors here. It's the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl and the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> those are coming your way, followed by the college football semifinals at the Rose Bowl and then the All-State Sugar Bowl coverage beginning 12.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. All right, straight ahead. We will end things off here on this Monday morning with our most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. It's ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
4: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer.
2: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: It is our show's namesake here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. It's how we end every day on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle. They will be back tomorrow. They'll get you ready for the national championship because by this time tomorrow, we will know the winner of Alabama and Michigan and then Texas and Washington. I gave you mine. What I would love to see happen. What I think we'll see happen. And we'll see if either of those things happen. If any of those scenarios play out. So, Matt, I will. Uh, I will let you go first here. I know that Pat and Javante have some unsportsmanlike moments that they want to get off their chest before we get out of here. What can can yours please be the Dairy Queen lady like getting upset about you potentially kicking a field goal into her location?
3: Yeah, I. I just want to say. To the Dairy Queen lady, I'm tired of you towing all the cars at our, our, our bar, and I don't like the fact that you don't want us to kick our field goals towards your thing. We're going to kick field goals 30 yards during the NFL playoffs and you're wor- and I'm worried that she's going to get mad that the football hits the Dairy Queen. I like blizzards. A good day for a blizzard. You get a good M&M blizzard or a Heath Bar blizzard, it's wonderful. But if you happen to get a football in your parking lot at the Dairy Queen, you just have to deal with it, Courtney, because it's part of what makes football exciting.
0: Okay. Well, to the owner of the Dairy Queen, is it Lex- are you in Lexington?
3: I'm in Lexington, All yes. right, so
0: the owner of the Dairy Queen next to Matt's bar in Lexington, Kentucky, you have been forewarned. Uh, happy New Year to you. And, and Happy uh, New Year, yes. Yeah. Happy
3: New Year to you, Dairy Queen.
0: <laughs> Javante, what's your unsportsmanlike moment of the day?
5: Mine is David Tepper throwing a drink at a fan. Like I, I don't understand. Like I'm pretty sure the fan says something crazy, but like you have to realize who you are, and you can't just yeah. throw drinks at people and think everything is okay. Especially when everything is crashing down. Like your team is not good. Don't bring more attention to it. Yeah.
3: So but this who happened. was in his suite, Javante? Who was in his suite that filmed him? Like somebody got <laughs> him. That that video <laughs> that is from his exists. suite. Is terrible. Yeah, like who t- who turned on the owner to film him Courtney in his own suite?
0: Uh it was Frank Reich. No, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> that would probably be a good was, answer. I'd be but,
3: upset at that person more than anything. So
0: they lost yesterday. They're in Jacksonville. They lose 26 to 0 and there's a video going around of David Tepper, the Panthers owner throwing a drink at somebody, presumably a Jacksonville fan. Um, You're a billionaire, my guy. You can't be doing things like that. They will sue you for a lot more than an incident like that is probably worth, but it's on camera, it's been captured, and it certainly was not a good look. We know that the Panthers ended up securing the league's worst record in the NFL yesterday, so that number one pick that they probably wish they could use, maybe on a new quarterback, maybe on something else, that is going to the Chicago Bears. Uh, have you ever thrown a
3: drink, Courtney, at anyone? No, I have, no, you ever I have not. That
0: upset? I I have not. I've never been in a bar fight. I've never really done anything like aggressive like that. I've thought about it. I've definitely thought about it, but I have not. Um, I've not executed. You know, when players yeah. say, "Oh man, poor execution," I'm the lack of execution person in those moments. I'm all talking. Javante, I feel away. like you have.
3: You and Pat, I feel like you all <laughs> thrown a drink. Have you at some point?
5: I don't think so. None of of my memory, I don't think
3: I have. All right, well, I'm not going to say I have or I haven't, but... uh, You own a bar. Yeah, yeah that's true i but yeah you have to deal with some of those people sometimes maybe you would
0: i was about to say would you throw a drink at a customer it seems like a bad no 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 never model.
3: at a customer i don't think i've ever thrown a drink i've wanted to though people can yeah. be rude yes, i mean i'm sure are. the jaguars guy was yelling at him i'm sure that was part of yeah, it. yeah
0: that was uh it's definitely not unprompted but uh certainly not a good look for the uh panthers owner pat what you
1: got uh, mine was Panthers owner David Tepper throwing a drink uh, at a
5: Jaguars fan. So. so the
0: unsportsmanlike moment is Javante stealing your unsportsmanlike yeah, moment. 15-yard <laughs> like penalty.
5: We, that was a horrible execution. <laughs> we should have discussed it. But There's here the it video.
0: Out. If you're watching us on, ES, on the ESPN wow. app right now, you can see the video. And, yeah, it does come from in the suite. Not, so someone's like in there. It looks like that's pats? a neighboring one. Like is, there, is that the neighboring suite or is no? that in theirs?
5: Yeah, because it looks like there's glass in between, so I okay. think that might be the next-door neighbor.
0: Okay, so he doesn't have like a mold in the crew. You <laughs> still know
3: who they are if they're next door. Rich people know each other. There, there's going to be some talking about the fact that got filmed.
0: It's Unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones. So my Unsportsmanlike moment of the day happened prior to this show. So you know that we get up early for this. This show goes on 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So for me, on Central Time, that is roughly a 3.15 a.m. wake up. And I woke up this morning to what I thought was someone breaking into my condo. I just heard, like, glass shattering. And I was like, what the heck is that? Is there someone in my, my place right now? I don't live too far down the hall from the trash chute. Like, there, you know, there's a communal trash chute where you just throw your trash bag down, which you're not supposed to put recyclables down it. But someone decided that 3 a.m. was the proper time to dispose of all of the things that they clearly had at their New Year's Eve party. So as they were going to bed, they woke me up out of my sleep. I mean, I guess it's great because I didn't oversleep for the show, which would have been even worse. But um. I, I just think that there's a, there's, a, there's a time and a place, and the time is not 3 a.m. to throw away all of the very loud items that, you, that make noise down the trash chute from your New Year's Eve party.
3: Just saying. Yeah, I would agree with that. Also, a big shout-out to everyone that works on this show and that works anywhere where you have to get up in mm-hmm. like 4 or 5 in the morning. To me, there's nothing worse. So my salute to all of you that have to do that in life. I'm not envious, but I'm very uh, proud of all of you.
0: Yeah, we appreciate it. Pat, Javante, you guys have been awesome to work with for the last week or so. Evan, Canty, and Michelle, your regular Unsportsmanlike crew, will be back tomorrow. We've got bowl game action coming your way here on ESPN Radio. But straight ahead, Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
2: Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.
1: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America.